Hence the Future podcast. I'm Justin Clark. And I'm Adam Cronin. And today we're discussing the future of border security. So obviously we're kind of in a crisis right now in the U.S. The, the president has shut down the government for, mm-hmm. what, 35 days now? Mm-hmm. And we need to, you know, really talk about what the actual fundamental issues of this whole border security problem is. So first, why should any country secure its borders? Right. So obviously every country has an incentive to secure its borders because by securing your borders, you know who's coming in into your country. And nowadays, countries have databases where they can see if someone has a criminal record or if they're out for arrest, you can prevent those people from coming in while allowing people who come in through legitimate trade, commerce, family reasons, whatever it may be. So it's totally legitimate for every country to want to secure its borders. Uh, I guess an uh, adjacent question would be, do we really have a crisis on the southern border right now? And I think the answer is probably yes, but it's mostly a humanitarian crisis rather than a Mm -hmm. violence, you know, sort of the way that it's portrayed largely on uh, Fox News and some other outlets. So, but there is a crisis, meaning we don't have enough Border Patrol agents or enough housing to handle the amount of, uh, especially families coming across. There are lots of other areas where we're lacking. Um, So we're going to get into all of these questions in this podcast, but I really want to spend the majority of time on this podcast talking about what's the best way to actually secure a border and then what's the best way to actually get across the border. So thinking of it as an arms race. And as we look forward into the future, we can think about what sorts of future technologies may help us secure our borders better or uh, may help people get across the borders. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think is the best way to right? Well, let's build a border. Is it is it a wall? Is it you know? Yeah. Are, so so I think let's let's address the obvious ones first. The obvious idea. So the first question you might say is why not just build a two thousand mile wall around the whole border? And <laughs> I saw this really great article that was basically saying that geologists laugh at that idea because the reality of our border is that a lot of it is along the Rio Grande River and those are floodplain areas. So you can't build in a floodplain because it's swampy ground. There's just, it's just not uh, stable enough for you to have a border wall that's going to last more than you know, a few years. And right. then other areas, there's seismic activity, you know, mountains, mountains. I mean, it's, it's a real, it's a lot more difficult than you would think to build a wall. And they've actually tried building walls. So for instance, in the Rio Grande area by the river, they've built walls that are a little bit outside of the floodplains. And that's created this really interesting scenario where now there's a no no man's land. So Mm -hmm. people who had houses right along the border or right, right along the river, now they live in the US, but they're on the Mexico side of the fence. And, and there was a a really great, like 15 minute YouTube documentary about this. It's called no man's land. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's so fascinating because you have these, these, uh, these people who basically don't live in, in either country and they can see very clearly that the fences that are in place are not preventing people. There's huge gaps in the fences it's easy for people to climb right over them. You can see the footprints right on them. And the politicians who push to get these fences in place, they just had a campaign goal of, okay, we're going to get X hundred miles or thousand miles of fencing in. And then once they got that, they just, they just stopped construction. And they, there's like these massive gaps in the fence. So it's like really the perfect case study of of, uh, you know, good intentions with a terrible outcome because, you know, the people who elected this this politician probably had the right intentions, but the politician just cared about fulfilling his promise, didn't actually care about what's the right way to secure the border. Yeah, and that's one of the things we see too is it's just about making keeping this promise of the wall. 
right, with hmm. this new presidency. And that's kind of an issue is when you're so when you cling to your ideas, even if they're bad ideas. Right. So hopefully we can get past this and talk about, you know, what what is the actual fundamental root cause? Like, why do we need, especially in the U.S. and uh, Central and South America, why do we need this whole uh, border to secure or why do we need to secure our border? And I think we're not looking deep enough, honestly, mm -hmm. because we're just trying to protect ourselves from these people. Like that's kind of the rhetoric right now. But why do these people want to leave their countries? Yeah. The reason the reason they want to leave is because of violence and get, and drugs, mm -hmm. drug cartels. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's a complete shit show because the government has lost a lot of its power to the drug cartels and we need to solve that problem. The like South the American governments, problem. you mean, and Central American. Well, yeah, Central. I mean, I'm particularly talking about uh, Mexico right now. Like I uh -huh. recently had a friend, uh -huh. I, I was um, hanging out with a couple and one of them was talking about how most of her family is from Mexico. Mm -hmm. And even the small towns all over Mexico are being controlled by the cartel. Right. Like they don't they don't know of a single small village that doesn't have some sort of cartel influence. And yeah, I had a, I had a friend at school whose dad was in the Mexican cartel. <laughs> well, it's... you almost have to because you're just persuaded into this. Like if if right. they can't recruit all the people that they want, they basically force people to go into it. Well, and, and in their most recent elections, they had... I forgot what it was, but something like over a dozen political candidates were murdered because they spoke out against the cartel. And the guy that just became the president of Mexico, or at least became elected, basically mm -hmm. said outright, I'm not going to do anything to stop the cartel. I'm going to stop using the military against the cartel, which was really the big check on them expanding and just doing things out in the open. Mm -hmm. And it's even worse in Guatemala and Nicaragua and yeah. those countries yeah. flee to Mexico and then from Mexico they flee to the US. So without solving those fundamental problems of of people wanting to get here, then there are going to be, you know, where there's a will there's a way. Yeah. And the other the other side of the coin is drugs. So there's human trafficking in the form of illegal immigration and then right. there's drug trafficking. And the incentive for drug trafficking is simply because America is the biggest market. It's the most profitable place if you're a drug lord to go to. Mm -hmm. And why Why do we, like, to go even deeper, why is that a thing? Why do we need, why do Americans need all of these drugs? Uh, right. Well, and I would, <laughs> I, I mean, that I have more sympathy for because life is hard and, like, I can well, see I, why. I was talking more along the lines of, it's illegal here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which That's, means they right. have to be supplied illegally. Exactly. I'm a huge supporter of just legalizing basically every drug, regulating it, mm -hmm. having the right information in centers. So if you want to get off of the drug, they support you through that. I mean, they've done pilot programs in some Nordic countries, and their rates of deaths from heroin and fentanyl and these other drugs has yeah. just plummeted. So there, there's no reason in my mind why we shouldn't just legalize drugs, regulate them. And if we did that, then there would be no incentive for any of these drug mules to come across. And then if we go and we help out these countries who are struggling as a global human team, mm -hmm. then we would be able to solve the problem of them desperately trying to escape and come across here. Yeah, I think and, a lot of people have a knee-jerk reaction to legalizing all drugs too. Right. That would be that would be an interesting podcast to, to discuss further. But you know, it's when you say legalize all drugs, people you know have this idea in their minds that people are just going to be methed out on the streets everywhere. Well, they but, already are. It's called Adderall. <laughs> yeah, basically. And the people, I think, the people that are going to do those drugs we'll get a hold of them whether they're legal or not. Exactly. So if we can at least regulate it, you know, we yeah, have I mean, some sort of control. You're forcing all the people who are addicts to go into the black market and deal with violent people, whereas you could just have them go to some center 
like you know in this one example they did it in in uh, Scandinavia where you can go every day whatever dose you want someone will administer it for you with completely clean materials mm -hmm. and they will also give you support they'll give you a pamphlet for hey if you want to get off you know we have this whatever 12-step program they help these people find jobs and not only has the a number of deaths basically gone to zero but their society is thriving because people who are formerly addicts now have a path back into the light yeah yeah, I mean, so if, if we can solve these fundamental issues, then hopefully the rest of our conversation is totally meaningless. Right. But in the meantime, we should talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, all of this is still a thing. We need to worry about what is coming over the border and, you know, maybe who is coming over the border in some sense. But, you know, well, how, we, we how should do we know. I mean, we should know every person that comes across. I mean, yeah. when I think about, like, for instance, my house that I'm in right now, I have a ring security system. So anytime mm -hmm. someone, whether it's an Amazon delivery man or, or a, you know, Church of Latter-day Saints mm -hmm. evangelist or whatever, I can get a notification on my phone. I see the video of the person and I can say something to them and then I can let them in or I can deny them, right? I mean, that's like yeah. a very basic home security and that's the sort of thing you would want in the border as well but of course if someone had enough time and resources they could get into my house they could drill a hole in the wall they could drill a tunnel underneath they could yeah. i mean there's a million ways to get through any sort of barrier yeah I mean, and you, the bigger it is the the more holes you're going to find what do you I think. what do you mean so like the bigger the barrier meaning the u.s Mexico border is 2,000 miles. Your home oh, is oh, just right, a small right. little, is a smaller barrier. Exactly. So, so let's, let's talk about what's happening today. So with today's technology, how are we securing the border and how are people getting across the border? So, I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of inadequacies in the current way that we're securing the border. I mean, there, I mean, there's. It depends on where you are. In a lot of places, it's just the Rio Grande, right? There, if you heard that New York Times, the Daily podcast from I think last week sometime, mm -hmm. it's about um, basically these two reporters from the New York Times just swim over the Rio Grande into Mexico, right? Right. And you know they're there. They crossed illegally, and then they can swim back. Um, yeah. So in a lot of cases, it's totally inadequate, which is why I think people along the border have a better sense of what's actually going on than even you or I that are, you know, so removed from the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then as far as how people are getting across the border, so really it is, it's by land, by air, by sea, and by tunnel. So by land many illegal immigrants and many drugs, I would say probably the majority, I mean, almost certainly the majority come through legal points of ports of entry. So they come through cars, they smuggle stuff inside cars. I mean, if you look at CBP's Instagram account, the amount of create the number of creative ways that they have smuggled drugs across in cars or in bananas or coconuts or in breast implants or I mean, just really yeah. out there ideas. Yeah that's one way they come across another way is just through air travel so commercial air travel or sometimes you'll have these private planes although that was more of like uh in the narcos era where we didn't have as good tracking of uh, all the, right. the aircrafts that were coming in and out um you know people have you and then some of the less common ways so most common ways are are air and car or air and car right mm -hmm. the less common ways are there are people who just trek across the desert, physically climb over the fences. And this is what a lot of the TV shows will focus on is this like the backpackers that have the big pails of marijuana, which, by the way, <laughs> we could legalize marijuana tomorrow and that would eliminate more than half of all <laughs> illegal drug trafficking, which is insane that we haven't done this yet. I mean, come on, like it's weed. Chill out. But, <laughs> but anyways, there's that. There's uh, some more creative ways. They'll actually shoot 
drugs across the border in a t-shirt cannon. So if you have, you can have a compact, um, you know, saran wrapped bundle of heroin that costs $30 million street value. And you can shoot that across the border. And if you had got some guy waiting on the other end, then you're set. Or you could fly a drone over. You can just have a drone, you know, drive, you know, pilot it yourself over the border, have someone on the other side. That's another way. And then finally, you could tunnel under. So this is what El Chapo became really famous for is tunneling. And tunneling has actually gone significantly down over the last couple of years because we've gotten a lot better at detecting them. So for instance, the four methods we use to detect tunnel, one is seismic activity. So that's actually hearing the low frequency noises of digging or of people moving through the tunnels. There's also magnetic anomalies. So you can, um, you can use magnetics to see like this sort of what's underground. Also acoustics. Oh, yeah. so, so like higher frequency noises in areas where there's no matter, like no dirt or rock. So they'll, the higher frequency areas, they'll, they'll search those. And then density anomalies. So like, for instance, one super low tech way that they'll do this is they'll actually drive a car around the border and uh, if their wheel goes you know, into a hole, then they'll say, oh, there must be a tunnel beneath us because mm. like, the earth is not very dense right here. Or another yeah. low-tech way is they'll literally drag tires across and then they'll be able to see uh, tracks more easily. Interesting. Yeah, I'm really interested about the tunnel thing, especially with all of these new, well, I say all, but mostly elon musk and the boring company like what right. if what if the drug cartels get their hands on a boring machine right what right. and they can drill for hundreds of miles like they can go into the u.s for a hundred miles without even surfacing and then right. you know surface so, at some point so that's one thing they did say is that if you go lower than 40 feet our current instruments cannot detect the tunnel so if you dig deep enough, you can get past it. Now, most people can't because there's the water table at around 18 feet in a lot of the Calexico area. Yeah. Um, but yeah. There are ways around that, though. Like if you have enough money and enough infrastructure, I think you can kind of secure the tunnel walls. Right. You, well, I don't know. It's, it's really tricky. I mean, I worked at an archaeological excavation, and once you go uh -huh. below the water table you need constant pumps to okay because otherwise it'll just I, I mean i don't even know how you would build the walls with the water coming in unless you had like an enormous amount of pumps in every direction yeah um, that would be hard to get past yeah, detection be, probably that sort of manufacturing the other thing i thought was interesting is that it's a lot harder to detect tunnels if they don't just go straight from the south to the north upright because that's what you would expect right uh -huh. So some of these more clever banditos will actually go straight the opposite direction or they'll sort of go at a diagonal angle so that you can't you're like, oh, that can't be a tunnel. It's going, you know, it's going towards the East Coast. Mm. Like, why would that be a tunnel? And then rather than having it be upright, where obviously if you're a human being standing upright, you'd want to go upright, they'll actually slant the tunnel. And they'll make it go in a in a uh, a non um, you know more of a random path. Yeah, like nonlinear. Exactly, yeah. like how like how nature would be if there was just a, mm -hmm. you know some empty space naturally. Interesting. Yeah, I mean that totally makes sense too because if if you're trying to parse all of this data, I would imagine that there's some sort of um, algorithms you know if there are so if there's so much data about the geological um workings of you know tunnels and whatever else is going on underground humans can't parse all of that data so i imagine there's right. some sort of algorithms that are trying to determine if this is likely to be a tunnel mm -hmm. a man-made tunnel and if you do this sort of random behavior, then you can't really detect them. So it makes a lot right. of sense. I mean, it's it's a smart method, but you know, unfortunately, it's used in a somewhat sinister way in some cases. Right. 
Well, they are, uh, to your point about using AI and machine learning, they are, there are some new contractors like Quanergy and the guy who founded Oculus has another company, mm. but they have basically said that the best way to secure the border is to have a real time aerial map of all of the ground, like what everything looks like, and then to spot any changes. So one technology that they've been using, or it hasn't been used yet, but they've proposed that it be used for the border is LIDAR. And we talked about LIDAR technology on the future of transportation. But basically, if you think of radar, like any movie with a ship, you can see, oh, it's coming closer. And it's just a beeping signal that circles around and you can sort of see this dot moving towards you. That's what radar does. But with LIDAR, it's actually a whole 3D map of the surroundings. So if you think about how a self-driving car can actually see its whole surroundings in a very similar way that humans can see, where basically it shoots out like millions of little light molecules and it reflects back and it can paint this whole 3D image of the world as it's moving through space in real time. LiDAR does the same sort of thing. And this company has created an app where you just put up a LiDAR tower and then for, I forget how many miles around, like a hundred miles around or something like that, you can see everything. So you can literally have an app where it'll have like a little person icons that move around. It'll have a car icon, an animal icon. It's able to identify what these are. And that could automate the whole border patrol process, right? If you have enough Mm -hmm. of these, you would know for certain, at least if someone's coming above ground. I don't know about their capabilities with tunnels, but it seems like yeah. we're already pretty far along with detecting tunnels. Hmm. So that's interesting. You're saying that the range of these LIDAR radar or the LIDAR devices are 100 miles? I, I forget what the range is. It might, be, might have been 100 meters or something. It's So I don't okay. know how far it is actually, but the point is, is that if you have enough of these along the border... And yeah, just you, towers, that, that would be a lot cheaper than right. it, it's, a wall. It's essentially a virtual border because uh-huh. you can see the entire border in real time. And there's this really great quote which said, uh, the only way to have, an op- to have operational control of the border is to look at all 2,000 miles of it at the same time. And the only way to do that is through technology. And that's a really great quote because right now it's very manual, the way that we secure the border. Yeah. Have you seen anything about how they're using drones to use it or how they want to use drones? So that was the the guy who who founded Oculus. mm -hmm. I forget his name. Lucky or or Lucky is his last name. Okay. But um, yeah, so this guy has created a system where you essentially have a drone that goes out and has all sorts of vision so it can see infrared, all, you know, yeah. all the other stuff. And you can basically pilot this drone through virtual reality. So you have a Samsung Gear headset or whatever headset you have on. and you oh, can, so people actually drive it themselves. Yeah, so right now they're yeah. manual. I think they're semi-autonomous in the sense that you can put in a GPS location and it'll go there. But if you're just okay. like patrolling and seeing what's happening, then you put on these goggles and you can uh, sort of see who's coming across. So that combined with LIDAR would be a really secure system because you could have LIDAR at every major interval. And then if you want to patrol a little bit beyond that, like if someone's coming from very far away or if they're coming at a place that's really hard for Border Patrol to get to, then you could send out these drones. Maybe you even have like a megaphone on them that says, in Spanish, like border patrol is coming, turn back now or you'll be prosecuted, you know, something Uh like that. That would be great. The big limitation is that ultimately, whenever someone illegally tries to cross the border, we have to deploy a physical human being border patrol agent to get them. That's the part that we have not either been able to or have not been willing to automate. I'm curious if you have any ideas on how that side of the equation could be optimized. So 
I kind of, I think about this a little bit, but then I go to more of the, the whole infrastructure in the U S and I, I hate turning, I hate thinking about turning away people that are trying to escape something terrible. So, well, we should have a good asylum system, but let's assume we have a great asylum system where every person who needs to escape and has not committed serious crimes is allowed in. So let's say, let's assume we have that system. So we're just securing it from dangerous people, basically. Right. That don't want to be, you know, I think some about drones. And then I also think about what that does to the ecosystems around. So I'm, I'm try, I try to think of things that are less invasive than that. And one of the things that are less invasive is a vehicle that flies at higher altitude, like a UAV or an unmanned aerial vehicle, which is, you know, the uh, military grade drone, basically, right. that can constantly be taking pictures of a super large area. And if you're taking pictures from multiple angles, then you can reconstruct 3D images of the border and the surrounding areas. And you might even have um, some more data on uh, people that are coming from deeper in Mexico. So you can detect people coming from further out in Mexico if you have like a broader surveillance. Well, we already do have these, these drones deployed. And so I wonder, I guess my question that I'm trying to get at is once we spot the people, what's the best process then? Well, I mean, you know, that's kind of a hard question. If, you know, in the ideal scenario, when you're just trying to turn away the bad people, then you just make sure that they know that we know that they are there. And that will probably deter them from coming any further. Let's if say they keep, they keep coming because they call our bluff that there's no nearby border agents. Oh, man. Um, well, I'll tell you what the current system is because yeah, maybe that'll, that'll shed some light. So the current system is you send some people coming across the border. They call into the Border Patrol agents the border patrol agents drive out there in their SUVs. Oftentimes there's a whole, you know, running after them, catching part of this mission. Once they've caught everyone and they've, they're, you know, they're there uh, submitting, mm-hmm. then they take them to be prosecuted. And most people are just served, time served. So they just basically get sent back across the border if it's like a really bad person that we know has has done some seriously bad shit, we'll keep them in the U.S. jail. But for the for the most part, we just let them back to Mexico afterwards. So, I, I mean, I also don't really know what the right solution is, but it does seem like a inadequate system that we have in place right now. Yeah, I mean, I think some people want to approach this with violence and I don't. Right. I think some people might say, oh, you could just like tase them or, you know, something violent that obviously isn't a good solution. Right. Um, So, again, like have a drone come in and like shoot them with tranquilizers. Yes. You know, that sounds terrible. And I don't want to live in a world where that's a thing. And then you're at the the thing that I don't like about automation, which is why I'm struggling with this question, is you don't always know for sure what the, especially with the current AI and maybe the next few decades of AI, we'll see is we still don't know exactly why someone is making this decision. Let's say that somebody good did try to cross illegally or somebody that has a record of um, some sort of, has some sort of criminal record but wasn't actually um, the perpetrator of these crimes, right? They were just wrongfully accused, but they're on their record. It's Mm -hmm. still that like, they're not going to be allowed for these reasons. Mm -hmm. Is the AI going to make a decision to, you know, do something violent? I hope Mm -hmm. not. Like, yeah, no, I'm with you. I I do not think we should ever allow autonomous AI systems to commit acts of violence without Mm -hmm. meaningful human input. 
I'm totally right. with you. And the idea of if you're coming across the border in the desert and all of a sudden you see this Boston Dynamics robot like <laughs> hauling ass across the desert to Jesus get to you, Christ. like, halt, we are here to save you. Do not resist. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the Metalhead like, episode in Black Mirror. Is. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think it's if someone's trying to get across our border, us preventing them from getting across the border in most cases is enough. Mm-hmm. If it's someone like El Chapo, who is the kingpin of the whole problem or one of the main kingpins, then in that case, I think it's important for us to know who that person is, put them in jail, prosecute them, not let them go to a Mexican prison where they can just bribe people to escape. So in certain cases, we do need to know and and ultimately, I think it's really an, an information intelligence problem more than anything. Yeah, we need the computational resources, because even if we have these UAVs flying overhead, the problem of reconstructing these images into like a 3D, you know, a 3D map of the surface. Well, LIDAR real seriously time, improves that. Yeah, capability. I know. I really like that idea of having this virtual border wall. Where, you know, we can at least detect people coming over. Because you could imagine a scenario where, you know, kind of like how we've talked about, um, not Ready Player One, what's that movie? Oh, Ender's Game. Oh, right. Kind of like Ender's Game, where you can imagine you have a couple Border Patrol video game savant type of people who each of them handles like 500 miles of the border. And they, true. and they just they can see everything and they're like out there, you know, orchestrating everything. That would be a much better system than right now where it's so segmented and some parts of the border are way understaffed. Other parts, are you know, they have a lot of staff in one area, but they don't have enough of something else. And it's it's all these people making individual decisions rather than just seeing the whole border all at once, all the threats and then orchestrating mm-hmm. it from a central command. See, I do like that because then we can still have human oversight. And the other cool thing about having sort of maybe it's some sort of sentinel where you're a person or um, I'm tr- the word is slipping me, but basically the person is controlling this humanoid robot, but it's not limited to like an the, avatar. Yeah, an avatar. It's not limited to the travel speed of a human or a car. Like it can be picked up and dropped off in a drone, let's say. Right. And then right. you can still handle the situation personally with care without personal risk to whoever right. is operating this and without, you know, causing damage to the person trying to cross. You can just delicately handle the situation, but you're also you can respond way more quickly than you could otherwise yeah i mean it just feels very archaic to have these border patrol agents like running in the desert chasing after (laughs) these people like there's got to be a better way Mm -hmm. i'm curious what your thoughts are on the infrastructure within the u.s so like for immigration what you think we might do to you know yeah. get people more integrated from their wh- whatever situation they're trying to leave and this i mean this right. is a problem all over the world too like not just in the US and Mexico and Central America but also the Mid East and Europe you know like how do we handle these situations yeah i mean it's it's certainly a problem that we can't solve on our own it's really mm-hmm. something that all governments need to come together and share at least the data of people who are problematic so people can know who's coming in. And I think facial recognition technology is going to be huge here. Mm -hmm. I think the way that Canada handles it is there's a lot to emulate there where it's a merit-based system, but they also have a human side of accepting asylum seekers who are legitimate asylum seekers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am a global entry member for the airport. I'm also a clear member. So... Clear is a pretty futuristic way of going through airport security already. It already exists. Can you describe what that is? Yeah, so basically, I go up San Francisco airport or whatever. I go into this kiosk. It looks kind of like an ATM machine. And every time, they'll ask me for a different type of identification. So sometimes they'll say, 
scan your thumbs. Sometimes they'll say scan your two forefingers. Sometimes they'll scan your eye, your iris. Sometimes they'll just scan your face and do facial recognition. And you basically just go up to this kiosk, scan your passport. It verifies your identity with one of these methods. And then it takes you all the way to the front of the line. You don't get checked hardly at all. You go through like an express uh, screening process. Like off, you don't have to take off your shoes. You don't have to take out your laptop because they essentially know that you're not a dangerous person and they, mm -hmm. they know enough about you that they're not going to waste their time searching all of your stuff. Whereas someone who they have absolutely no data on who's from another country, their time is way better spent searching that guy's luggage. And so I could imagine an automated system for all airports, all ports of entry through whether you're a car or a pedestrian or someone flying, where you just go up to this automated kiosk, you put your identification, it verifies that with facial recognition or eye scanning or finger scanning, and then you go through and it's super efficient. And so long as your data is in the system and there's no red flags, you have no problem. Right. See, I really like that. And you could imagine some future where every country, like you were saying, shares the data. And we just have this global system of efficient transport. If you know, if you want to cross the border, you can. And if you need to seek asylum, you can because there is data on you. Like it's just easy to verify all of this stuff. And if you don't have any data, you know, maybe that means that for whatever reason you've been hiding from authorities or hiding from sharing your data, you know, this, you know, there's, there's some sort of bad scenario in this case, because there are people, especially hackers, for example, that don't necessarily, and this, these could be white hat hack, hackers that don't want to share any of their data, no matter what even if it's kind of for the good, but it's just on right. the principle of being private. Well, so that's I, the, I yeah, <laughs> that's the thing is there's such a big trade off between privacy and security mm -hmm. and making that trade off is fine. So long as your government isn't corrupt. Right. Right. So like, yeah, sharing data it, for the sake of being more secure is always the right choice unless your government is going to turn around and say, hey, you said some things about our government that we don't like, so we're going to send you to a re-education camp and mm -hmm. you're not even going to be the same person when you come out of that camp. Yeah. So, man, I, I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but one of the things that I'm really interested to see is how we can increase the number of asylum seekers in the U.S. and just let them come over even if even if we have these like cities in the desert like we could just build infrastructure in the desert to kind of create little smart cities i know there's some in arizona that are popping up anyways we could use those as just kind of a starting point to asylum seekers as you know they live there for a little bit get mm -hmm. their foot their foot in the door and then they can build up whatever they need to for citizenship and yeah i don't know if that's the best solution I mean, I agree we should we should be more open to legitimate asylum seekers, but I feel like the better solution is to build those smart cities in Nicaragua, in Mexico City, in Guatemala, like where the problem actually is, or maybe work with coalitions of governments to create safe zones. So like maybe right. we supply some uh, police personnel so that at least they know, look, if you're in some serious danger, you can go to this city and mm -hmm. it's protected, um, something yeah. like that. But yeah, we and, need to solve the underlying issue because we're all one global community at this point. Yeah, we're all humans, right? Yeah. We should we should be able to look at our shared humanity and have empathy for the other people that have you know what they're coming from a bad situation. And if you think about how much a border wall will cost, what eight to twelve billion dollars. Right. Well, or that's something. a that's a really low projection. <laughs> yeah. How what could we do to. But they aid... said so here I have the number. They said it costs approximately six point five million dollars per mile. And that's just wow. to construct a new border wall or replace an existing legacy fence. <laughs> and, you know, given the fact and there's that there's two thousand miles. So, yeah. And the fact that you're going to have to repair it 
every you know yeah. few years because of the shitty you right. know every time there's an earthquake situation. or there's a flood or there's some rain and and lord knows that the climate is getting more extreme every year yeah you know, it's not like it's getting more stable yeah and so imagine what we could do to aid these countries with that money if oh, you yeah. inject yeah. if you inject a couple billion dollars into you know investing in the government and strengthening the government of Mexico, which I'm sure we're doing to some extent, right? I'm, I'm not. Well, it, it is tricky though, because you don't want the funds to be misused. Exactly. Especially and with the current administration in Mexico. Yeah, there's there's a lot of corruption, which you have to be careful about. But but I, but I, I am a believer that we should secure the borders first, and mm -hmm. then we need to solve the humanitarian. I mean, maybe we can do them both simultaneously. But if it were up yeah. to me, and I was Donald Trump. I would say, Democrats, you win. A wall is not the right idea. I retract my whole idea of having a wall. Instead, I want to open this up to non-political assessments of what our border security actually needs. And then based on those assessments, because there already have been pitches, I would implement something that has LIDAR towers, every yeah. you know whatever every hundred miles or whatever it is i would yeah, also even have if drones. it was every hundred meters that would still yeah. be way cheaper than a border wall oh yeah yeah um but yeah more I mean, effective. really the whole argument is just about this one word wall and because it's anyone who's in the know is like well clearly wall is not the right idea but because it was such a big campaign promise he feels like he has to follow through with it so, but I think his base and all Americans in general would be happy if we just put in place the best solution for the problem rather than worry about what was promised, you know, years ago. I mean, this is, this is a common mistake for politics and we just got to think about what's the act. Okay. If we're going to secure our borders at all, what's the best way to do it? And then let's do it. And then either simultaneously or right after they're secure, Let's solve the root cause. Why are people coming across? Why are drugs coming across? Legalize yeah. all drugs, create a better system of asylum, and help mm -hmm. create safe zones in these countries so that people don't feel like they have to flee just to live a decent life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And, you know, if, if we focus too much on ourselves in the, you know, like you said, it, it is good to kind of focus on securing the border now. But long term, we need to stop just focusing on ourselves, because if we focus on supporting the rest of the world, you know, which we do in some to some extent, but maybe a little bit more that helps us ultimately in the totally. end. Yeah. And there's there's some things that we can do that don't cost money or that actually generate money, like legalizing weed right. or legalizing drugs like that. Yeah. That'll be a net positive you know, on our GDP and it will lessen the power of a lot of these drug cartels and it'll cut it more more than in half yeah you know then then we can focus on the whole cocaine and fentanyl thing which or uh heroin and fentanyl yeah and cocaine obviously but there's a lot of things that we can do just from a pure policy perspective that right. will make this issue lessen yeah so, you know, the uh, one thing that Scott Adams said, I thought was interesting, where he says that this border security debate has actually brought the, brought the country closer together. And what he means by that is that we started out where the left and the right were on completely different sides. You know, the right wanted a wall 2000 miles long. The left wanted absolutely no walls and just to let everyone in. I mean, obviously, this is a this is yeah. mischaracterization, but. But um, and now it does seem like the country has come together where we realize a lot more about what's actually needed for border security. We realize a wall is not going to work everywhere, but we also realize it's important to have secure borders and it's important to have a secure humanitarian process for asylum seekers. So the country really seems to be all on the same page. I mean, there's not a whole lot of disagreement. It really is all about this one word. And if we can get past that word then I think we can truly solve this problem to a far greater extent than some of our other topics on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, this is this is one that's very feasible and in the relatively short term. Yeah. Um, 
But maybe now's a good time to start talking about the worst case, best case, most likely case. So, yeah, there, there is one other thing I remember I forgot, which was funny, is that the Mexican cartels also use submarines. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that yeah, was El Chapo that. had a had a submarine, but that's another th- area that, that a lot of people don't think about is you can just take a submarine from Mexico over to, you know, Baja, California, over to San Diego, and you can get across a lot of the barriers. So countries yeah, like Israel are actually building this insane underwater border where it's like armored concrete to prevent any sort of like explosions to try to get past it. And then lots of barbed wiring to prevent any scuba divers from trying to swim around it or through it. So the wow. water, I just remember that we hadn't talked about the by sea part. So, but yeah, let's get into now the worst case, best case, and most likely future scenarios. So I think with the worst case, worst case scenario, there, it, it's not too much different from where we are right now. I mean, it could be, it could be worse in the most extreme case where it looks like North Korea, where the, the border security is extremely tight, but it's to keep people in and to keep people under control. Hmm. And that's that's not really something that we talked about much, but it's still border it's still border security, but it's kind of like the opposite right. sort of border security, and it's it's all about control and keeping people in a terrible regime. That would be like Mexico cartels having their own security, keeping people in Mexico, which to some extent they probably do in the towns and right, what it means right. to leave a gang, but. I think with all of these, there are definitely some problematic countries. And if we have all of these these governments trying to control their population by keeping them in, like that's kind of the worst case scenario. And we have this this big gradient between the countries of freedom and opportunity like the U.S. and these other countries that are, you know, they have oppression and violence like Mexico or North Korea or China isn't, I don't think China's violent, but it's, um, you know, definitely oppressive. So we have this gradient of people trying to leave these terrible situations, but there's nowhere for them to go. Like that, that's mm. just a really, that's kind of the worst case for me, which is, you know, it's kind of happening yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I mean, my worst case, I, I sort of broke it into near term and long term. So mm. in the near term, I think the worst case would be if we waste billions of dollars building a physical wall that yeah. doesn't secure our borders and ruins our reputation globally as a city on a hill, Statue of Liberty, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So that's the worst short ca- short-term scenario. In the long term, I could see a fully autonomous border security being really scary, especially, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like the Boston Dynamics robot coming to take you down kind of a scenario especially if they're fully autonomous and they're not always perfect or they they take some pretty drastic actions that could be really bad another thing i was thinking and this isn't necessarily about the borders with other countries so much as just borders in general but i I was watching this movie in time you know with justin timberlake and it's like in the future where the currency is basically time, like minutes or hours or days. And it's a very unequal world, meaning there's a small group of like the 1% that can basically live forever with eternal youth. And then everyone else is like, you know, barely has minutes and they're just trying to survive. And in order to get to the nice place where all the rich people live and live happily with eternal youth forever, you have to put in deposits. So like you have to put like a deposit of three months of time at the first border. Then you have to put in like three years, then like three decades. So it's like basically protecting the 1% against everyone else. And as I look at all the trends in America and globally, I could see border security being first used on countries' borders, but then being used as a way of protecting the 1% 
against everyone else because everyone else is inevitably is inevitably mm. going to want to rise up and that would be a really scary world i mean that's kind of like a children of men world too it's like london is is guarded and everywhere yeah. else is chaos so that's my worst case scenario man that's i mean that 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 makes me think that <laughs> i think that's honestly not totally unlikely either which is sort yeah. of scary but i mean anyways, there's already what, gated communities if you take gated communities to their logical <laughs> conclusion it could be something yeah. very similar yeah i mean that makes sense uh so what do you think about the best case best case scenario so my best case scenario is obviously we don't need borders at all <laughs> right <laughs> so in a world where people are nice to one another or or at the very least, you know there's accountability. Like if there's the all-seeing eye, in a sense, where everything is already being tracked pretty indefinitely, but the ruling powers are benevolent, meaning they're not going to take you down just for saying something they don't like. So assume we have all of the same freedoms and privileges that we enjoy today. In a world where we don't need any borders because everyone knows who everyone else is, if you do something heinously wrong you it's not like you get sent to jail for punishment but you get sent for rehabilitation mm -hmm. as the main goal and people just don't have to worry about borders but that seems fairly unlikely so in a more likely scenario of no sorry in a more likely best case scenario mm -hmm. i would say we legalize all drugs starting with marijuana that would destroy the whole drug trafficking problem right secondly we put a much better system in place to get merit-based immigrants coming more easily and readily because i think having good talent in your country is so crucial and then we also have a system that improves asylum seekers improves the situation for asylum seekers but also improves the situation in the actual home countries so if we work with the leaders of all of these Central and South American countries so that we can create safe zones and that's the best case scenario because that's the only thing that's going to have a lasting impact in my mind. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree because my best case is pretty much exactly what you're saying about no borders. Right. It's it's we are a single global community of humans. We can go where we want right if there are still let's say there are things like countries or like states where you can like if i want to move to california that's because maybe the culture is a little bit more in line with my values if i want to mm. move to israel maybe it's because i want to be more closer with god or maybe if i right well it's kind of it's kind of like what's your personal version of heaven yeah, and you, there can be can different sectors for different takes on that i mean they they talk in that black mirror episode of uh, Junipero, San Junipero, mm. it's yeah. like, yeah, you can go to most people's version of heaven, which is like a nice, everyone's nice to one another, there's no crime, or you can go to the area of heaven, which is like a giant orgy and shooting people and like, <laughs> and I'm not, obviously that's like getting yeah. a little far, but <laughs> the idea that you could have different segments of the world, depending on what your style of living is like, I think that's legit. Yeah, and it doesn't seem, well, obviously we need to tackle a lot of issues first. Like we need to align the incentives of individuals and the people with power. So like the general population and the people with power or corporations and everything. We need mm -hmm. to make sure that we're all incentivized to just kind of do what's good for the common humanity or common, I mean, biological life in general. Because right. let's say the U.S. was a huge business and industrious country in the far future, right? Everything is good. It's kind of a utopian world. You know, maybe there's another country that's just mostly nature, mostly forests, like a, let's say Brazil or something in the Amazon. A lot of people might want to move down there to have a more like natural connected to nature sort of life. And I want that to be able to, to happen without needing to worry about all of the drug crimes and all of like all of the cartels and the corruption and i think if we can get to this future where there are no borders because we all kind of know 
who everyone is. You know, that there are some dystopian aspects to that, but I think overall it would probably be good. Mm-hmm. I think that's just the best case scenario. And people have the means to travel to a further away place. Like Mexico, U.S. is the only option, basically. But if the Me- if we have people that are trying to escape from Mexico or leave Mexico to go to, I don't know, Spain or Russia, like that should also be an option. So so this might be some univer- actually universal basic income hmm. of the world yeah. rather than, you know, that'll give people the means to vote with their feet, which we've talked about before, mm-hmm. just move to where they want to move to and then let the world kind of evolve organically and cultures evolve organically like that. So that's my best case scenario. Okay, cool. Yeah, my as far as the most likely scenario. Most likely scenario. My most likely scenario is that we do not solve this problem until lobbyist money is out of politics. Because unfortunately, it, I think there's enough evidence that when politicians try to solve border security, quote unquote, they're not actually trying to solve it. They're just trying to keep their promise to their base. And oftentimes that's just like an arbitrary number of miles of border fence or seeing some sort of a decline that you can take credit for. And I don't think that we're going to actually solve the problem and put in the most efficient, optimal, um, you know, not overly expensive system until we have someone in power who does not answer to anyone except for the voters, the American citizens. And that certainly is not the case with this president. It probably is not going to be the case with the next president. Maybe two presidents from now, I think, will actually solve this problem once we solve the problem of money in politics. But unfortunately, I think it rests on that. Yeah. Yeah, mine mine is similar. Mine is more, I think, the most likely scenario is we we do something. Like, we all agree that we need to do something on our southern border. You know, this is specific to the U.S. right now. But we know that there's something we need to do, and I think they're going to come up with a solution at some point. Um, But I think the issue is with that, it's still just a Band-Aid solution. And I don't think we're going to solve the root issue. Uh, Like, I don't even think anyone will directly solve this, solve the root issue um, directly, you know, thinking about border security or, or immigration. It's going to be more like, oh, it's kind of stupid that we have illegal drugs when it's, you know, it's probably better yeah. for society. If we well, don't. I could I could see marijuana getting legalized this year. I mean, Scott Adams has yeah. predicted that Trump is going to legalize marijuana. And the reason is that it's something that he can take credit for as a major economic and just general win that the Democrats would definitely go along with. And uh-huh. his base also wouldn't be like pissed about. Or like at that as pissed as oh, some other issues. I was gonna say some. I know some of his base would be very pissed about that because weed right. is the devil. You probably know more. It's the than devil's I do, grass. You live in <laughs> you live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I live in LA. <laughs> yeah, but um, that there's, I think that we're not going to have it fully legalized at least in the next couple years i think well sessions is gone so he was the main person in the Uh, administration that is true that is true i would i hope it happens right and i think it would be a net positive if it doesn't happen in 2019 or 2020 it is most certainly going to happen in 2021 is my prediction it'll definitely happen in the 20s and we'll have another roaring 20s hopefully yeah yeah but anyways, maybe this is a good time to wrap up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think just to put some final thoughts out there for our listeners, the biggest way to protect our borders, I think, is to know the other, right? So I think traveling to different parts of the world is great for opening your eyes and for other people to travel to the West who live in the East and 
for everyone to intermingle, the more that we can do that, I think the more we'll realize that there's really no reason to have borders eventually. I mean, we certainly need borders today, but Mm -hmm. in the best case scenario, we wouldn't need them. So I think getting that level of human to human understanding is, is key for anyone. And then I would also just recommend that anyone look at cross-functional technologies. I mean, the, the fact that LiDAR is something that was developed specifically for self-driving cars, but that it could be the perfect solution to border patrol just shows mm-hmm. you that by combining different disciplines, you can have some really incredible results. Yeah. And maybe one other final thought when we're thinking about the far future, very far future, when we become an interplanetary species, is right. if we can if we can solve these issues here now, then maybe we can kind of evolve into a more understanding society. Like maybe we need to do that first before we start to explore the cosmos. Oh, I and thought you were going to say something totally different. Well, I, I want you to say what you thought I was going to say. I thought but... <laughs> you were going to say, how can we secure the, plan, the planet on an interplanetary scale? Well, yeah. I mean, like, or secure I think... the borders of the Milky Way or of our solar system or of, you know, at least Earth's. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we don't have to secure our planet or our solar system or our galaxy from other sentient beings what i'm hoping we can protect it from yeah i hope we can protect it from asteroids and rogue black holes and you know all of these i mean fundamentally it's the same problem whether it's the u.s mexico border or whether it's the outer limits of earth's atmosphere because Mm -hmm. if we can sense what's coming in identify it and if it's problematic deploy something to intervene that's essentially the same thing we're doing so i think we Probably, I mean, honestly, we're probably going to need to have something with the space race between the U.S. and China heating up. I could imagine a situation where we need some sort of like space patrol on the space that's above Earth. Yeah, I mean, that that makes a lot of sense, too. And so that actually reminds me of something to bring it back down to Earth uh, that I kind of forgot about is one of the big things in talking about border security is customs and making sure that like invasive species don't come to other countries because if you know you have some relative mildly successful or normal plant from the u.s and then it gets introduced into china or some super you know prosperous fertile land that thing can just annihilate everything so you know there's there's border security from things that are not humans border security right, from right. these, these well, other like plants or that brings up else. another interesting stat which is there's a major problem of guns going from the u.s to mexico to the mexican cartel oh. there's something like see if i can find the number um it's something like two hundred sixty-five thousand guns every year are go from the u.s to the mexico side of the border so it really that that alone just highlights the fact that we're all one global society if the u.s has super lax gun laws and doesn't do background checks against the people who buy guns doesn't even ask for the id of the person buying the gun then Mm. that is gonna that problem is gonna spread beyond the u.s so yeah. we really need to think of our policies not only with what, how is it going to affect Americans, but how is it going to affect anyone, whether they're a good actor or a bad actor, coming right. to America. Yeah. So with a more holistic and like systems approach to this, to our policies, we can hopefully solve this issue and solve the root causes of the issue rather than just throwing band-aids on top of you know the issues that are more fundamental totally well i think that's a good place to end it so thank you guys for listening this has been the future of border security i hope you guys like our new hence the future artwork we're going to talk about what has happened what is currently happening and what will inevitably happen the past the present hence the future